my, my title of my message is, uh, Who Said a Virgin's Son Would Establish an Everlasting Kingdom? <laughs> Who said that this can happen? You know, and as we look at Christmas, I think, as we look at the time of Christmas, people become familiar with Christmas in the sense that, oh, it's a time to give gifts and people are so superficial, you know, having parties and telling everybody this and that and giving them gifts and they really don't like them and, you know, things like that. Well, people tend to um, believe what they see. And if they see commercialism, they see how that, you know, the, the uh, Christmas is made a f- famous holiday by the retailers, <laughs> you know. But in reality, Christmas, the gift of Christ, is God's um, gift to us. And we are taking the time to celebrate God's gift to us. And we take the time to perhaps give gifts to others. And so we are either a bah humbug type approach to, to Christmas or we are recognizing how that Christ has uh, come and we are allowing Christ to be that Savior that he was born to be. Well, Isaiah, if we're wondering who it was that said that a virgin's son would establish an everlasting kingdom. Well, there are many references throughout the Old Testament, but this morning I'm going to look at Isaiah. Well, the prophet Isaiah makes a gracious offer to King Ahaz um, to confirm that his prior prediction. So in the first part of chapter 7, there are these um, predictions that prophecies that Isaiah presents to King Ahaz. Well, King Ahaz, um, well, we'll read verse 10. Uh, Moreover, the Lord spake again to Ahaz, saying, now this is God saying to Ahaz, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it, either in the depths or in the heights above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. Now, (laughs) if we're reading over that, we think, wow, Ahaz is a nice guy. He's he's pretty religious. He doesn't want to tempt God. (laughs) Not so. And he's given this invitation by God to ask for anything. In the heights or the depths of the earth and the world around us, ask for anything. Nahaz says, nope, not going to do that. Why? Well, it's certainly not that he doesn't want to tempt the Lord. Uh, Ahaz Ahaz has not listened to God, not listened to the prophets, And if he asks God for something at this particular juncture, and God does it, that means that everything he has done in his past is wrong, because he always went against what the prophet had told him. And so now he's faced with God saying, ask something, ask anything, and I'll do it. And Ahaz says, oh, wait, now, if he does this, then all the things I've done is wrong. No, God, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to tempt you. <laughs> you know, it's like, move over. I'm going to strike you with lightning. <laughs> but he didn't. God didn't. Um, so he didn't really want to know what God would say, you know, because he, he was, <laughs> it was just an excuse. If, you know, if God tells us a miracle is going to happen and it happens, then we have to believe that God is able to do what he said he would do, okay? And so when that takes place, then we have to affirm that all of the, all of the teachings that God has given to us are correct. Well, sometimes God gives us a sign. Not always. There are times that God 
gives a sign. He gives to us a, an impression. He gives to us um, a song or gives to us something that he's going to accomplish or going to perform a miracle or something that we've been praying for. Well, Carol, uh, a lady that we know, uh, grew up, in the, well, she was in the church and her daughter was in the church here. And her daughter, and we've prayed for her and so on, and she stated that as she, Carol was th- talking about how that her daughter went into a coma with COVID. And she has been, she went into the coma on September 1st. And so she's been in this coma since September 1st and on a ventilator, trying, you know, to, you know not having very much success. But Carol said whenever she started praying for her back then, because she called me and said, you know, God gave me this scripture, gave me this song, Rise and Be Healed. In the name of Jesus, let faith arise in your soul. She said, I was just singing that and praying and crying and feeling like, wow, this is what God is giving me for my daughter, that this is what's going to happen. Well, (laughs) this week, she started to sit up. (laughs) And she's still on the vent, but she recognizes people, and she points out letters to spell words to communicate what's going on, and they're going to take her to a step-down unit, but she has made a strong step toward recovery. But until the first of the week, there had been nothing since September 1st. So here is this impression, rise and be healed, but yet nothing happens. And the question becomes in our life that God gives to us certain promises, gives to us certain things in in our heart, and they are impressions. But like in this case, Nothing changed. Nothing changed for months. And so we have to then re-examine or examine how, well, what does God mean by that? What does it mean to me? You know, she, she um, well, I can't remember exactly if she asked me, what do you think this means or whatever, but I would always refer back, well, what does it mean to you? <laughs> what did, you know, you're, you received that promise, so what does it mean to you? Well, as we look at Ahaz, <laughs> He was one of Judah's worst kings. I mean, he was the, he was the national bad guy. <laughs> so here's God saying to, to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, ask anything, I'll give you a sign. Hey, God, what about the good guys here? You know, <laughs> give, us, you know give us a chance at this. Well, God was prompting the Isaiah to challenge Ahaz because Ahaz was not going to get off that easy. He's king of Israel, king of the, the southern kingdom. They were divided at that time between northern and southern kingdom. And the southern kingdom was Judah and Jerusalem and things like that. So Ahaz refused God's help. The Assyrians were going to um, attack. So Ahaz, instead of asking the prophet, and the prophet offered God's help, but he refused. So he took the treasury from the temple the gold, the silver, and he tried to pay off <laughs> the, the Assyrians so you don't attack us. So they attacked the northern kingdom and destroyed them. So, but there's Ahaz, He's, he holds on to his kingdom. Um, so for us, we're not to let anything keep you from communicating with God or receiving his message to us. That we want to be on the receiving end of what God wants to do. And sometimes it's just impressions. Sometimes it's the, the scripture that keeps going over and over in our mind. Sometimes, you know, we don't, it, God can use anything. 
to challenge our heart and just drop it into our spirit. Now, as we look at the prophet Isaiah, um, during his reign, during his time of prophesying, he was, um, there were five kings of Judah. So he's, he's been around for a while, and whenever God called him to be a, a prophet, he was a scribe, and he had no intentions of being a prophet. But in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 4, it says, when the, when, uh, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. That's when Isaiah received his commissioning, his calling to be the, the prophet of God. And so we find that he did not, <laughs> when God called him, he, he didn't say, tell Isaiah, you know what? You're going to speak to millions. You're going to be, everybody's going to listen to you. He says, Isaiah, nobody's going to listen to you. <laughs> you know, don't get discouraged, but I'm telling you, you're going to be a prophet of mine, and you're not going to meet with much success. In fact, people won't listen. But he was to speak no matter, and say and declare what God had declared to him. So in verse, chapter 7, verse 13, Isaiah is declaring here, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it, is, a, it is a small thing. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? So <laughs> Isaiah comes to Ahaz, speaking for God to Ahaz, and telling him, you weary men and you're wearying me. It's like you're wearying men because you went to the uh, Assyrians and tried to beg for them not to attack you and, and kill you and wipe out your kingdom, and you paid them off from the treasury of the temple. You know, you, you're wearying men begging them for, to, to, to let you live. And he says, you're wearying God. Now, I was thinking of the story with Jesus whenever the, um, the, the story told in Luke with the bad judge. And I just want to read it. I'm going to just read a little bit. This is Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus taught the followers that they should always pray and never lose hope. Okay? That goes very well. Always pray and never lose hope. You see, God is listening. And because he is listening and there seems nothing changes, doesn't mean he's not working. Doesn't mean things aren't working behind the scenes. We need to keep praying and believing. So, he used this story to teach them. Once there was a judge in the town, he did not care about God. He also did not care what the people thought of him. In that same town, there was a woman whose husband had died, and she came many times to this judge and said, There is a man who is doing bad things to me. Give me my rights. <laughs> well, this bad judge is in like Ahaz. He's a bad king. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about the people. He doesn't care what happens to his people. But um, as this lady in Jesus continues, verse 4, but the judge did not want to help her. After a long time, the judge thought to himself, I don't care about God, and I don't care about what people think, but this woman is bothering me. Can you imagine Jesus using this as a reference to keep praying? <laughs> Jesus is saying this, keep praying. Well, in our sense... I already asked him once, well, Jesus is not a bad judge. Let's see. There is nothing bad about God. And he desires to hear his people. So Jesus is letting us know it's all right to keep praying and keep 
persistently going before the throne because as this bad judge, what happens there? But this woman is bothering me, and if I give her what she wants, then she will leave me alone. I wouldn't say that I fit there, but, you know. <laughs> Pastor, what? Pastor! <laughs> oh, don't bother me, I'm busy. <laughs> well, but if I don't give her what she wants, she will bother me until I am sick. <laughs> so Jesus uses that illustration, and that idea of bother and being an unfaithful judge fits in with Ahaz. So verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Since you won't ask for one, Ahaz, I'm going to give you one. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, she, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Whoa. A virgin shall conceive and have a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. <laughs> well, we who are a part of the future that this prayer and this declaration takes into effect, we can see how the promise that God made to Ahaz has been fulfilled. We see it in the birth of Christ. We see it, but uh, Isaiah says this about 700 years prior to the birth of Jesus. So Ahaz, he doesn't, he, he don't want to have no sign, and so God gives him a sign which he's never going to see. <laughs> Ahaz, you won't ask, you won't listen, so I'm going to give you a sign, one that you'll never, you won't understand, and you'll never see because you don't have any faith. <laughs> you don't have faith to believe in what I tell you. So we also gain in this declaration, we gain hope of knowing that God is active in all history, including our own history, our own life. I always remember a guy spoke on history, God's story, his story. So it's all about God and his story of preparation to, that has brought us to where we are at. Isaiah declares this sign to Ahaz that no matter how bad of a leader Ahaz is, God has not forgotten his people. See? It, wasn't, it isn't the bad people that... that puts people in a bad situation. God is the one, no matter what the leadership is, God is the one who makes things good for us. God is the one who doesn't forget his people no matter what the leadership is. So often there can be difficulties in understanding and believing and accepting the, the, the signs that God gives to us. Just like Carol with the song Rise and Be Healed and her daughter didn't get up. In fact, she stayed there 10 weeks, months. Nothing changed. So for Ahaz, he could not grasp the message. He would not trust the word of the Lord that he had spoken, and he hadn't a clue what he was talking about. But the sign of Emmanuel would be a sign of deliverance. So whenever we think of all of these, of these few things here, this is setting, up, setting us up for the history, for what is going to come in the next few weeks with the Christmas story, with Christ coming, his birth, what it means and how it is, how it is uh, brought to us. But the sign of Emmanuel is the sign of deliverance. So as we think about this, we gain hope 
in knowing that God is active in all of history, including our own history, and that the sign of Emmanuel is the sign of deliverance. So that's the sign that is upon our life. Prophesied to a wicked king, but it wasn't for him. It was for the people of God. And we see this revealed in Luke chapter 1. During Elizabeth's, this is, cha- this is verse 26 and 27. During Elizabeth's six months of pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to a virgin, a virgin girl who lived in Nazareth, a town in Galilee. She was engaged to a man, to marry a man named Joseph from the family of David. Her name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, the Lord is with you. You are very special to him, or you are highly favored. Mary was confused about what the, song, what the angel said, and she wondered, what does this mean? And the angel said, don't be afraid, because God is very pleased with you. Listen, you will become pregnant and have a baby boy. You will name him Jesus. He will be great. People will call him the Son of the Most High God, and the Lord God will make him king like his ancestor David. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. <laughs> the prophecy Isaiah gave to Ahaz is fulfilled there in Luke. Ahaz, as we said, didn't live 700 years to see this fulfilled, but God gave the people a sign. Ahaz didn't believe, but God believed in his people. God gave a covenant, made a covenant with his people, and he gave a promise to his people. And people today who do not believe the miracle, do not believe in the virgin birth and the birth of Jesus and his life and death and resurrection, um, their idea of a Messiah is confused with their idea of giving gifts and putting them under a tree. But Isaiah continues in Isaiah chapter 11. He says a small tree, not a Christmas tree, a small tree will begin to grow from the stump of Jesse. That branch will grow from Jesse's roots. Now, that was always, sometimes when you read that, it's like a little confusing, that stump is going to, well, what happened in, in, in that Isaiah is prophesying about We've been studying on Wednesdays and so on. Um, so Isaiah is about 700 years prior to the birth of Christ. Well, about 670, somewhere in there, um, Israel goes into captivity. And Jerusalem, the Babylonian, the Babylonian captivity. Bla- Babylon, Babylon. <laughs> catch that? Babylon came and King Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed Israel destroyed Jerusalem, left it in rubble, and that was the cutting down of the, of the tree of, the, of David. That David and his line were chopped down to a stump. So what happens is, from that stump, a new shoot will grow, the Messiah. So whenever Israel is coming back from Babylon... When they are re- the remnant is coming back to rebuild the temple and put it all back together, they, they, they are reestablishing the tree and the blessing that Samuel had prophesied upon, upon David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6, he's speaking to David here. He says, your family of kings will continue. You can depend on that. For you, your kingdom will continue forever. Your throne will stand forever. 
your lineage, your, out of your loins, out of your family, the Messiah will come. Well, it was all cut off. They were all gone, taken out of, taken out of Israel. Taken, Jerusalem was, was destroyed and in rubble. But God brought them back. Verse 2 of chapter 11. The Lord's spirit will always be with that new king to give him wisdom, understanding, guidance, and power. The spirit will help him know and respect the Lord or respect God the Father. So here it is. This is what Isaiah is saying that Jesus is going to be like. He's going to have wisdom. I think one of the great acts of wisdom was the time when the woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Everybody wanted her stone because that's the law. What did Jesus say? Wrote in the ground. Uh, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. <laughs> he always had a way of, of being able to understand what people were presenting to him and really present the truth back to them. His power over nature, he can walk on water. <laughs> he could feed 5,000. You know, we see the, his power to restore life, he calls Lazarus from the dead. His teachings about love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And God. So we have this taking place in this Messiah that Isaiah is talking about. Jesus. We can say to him, or he says to us, hey, David, walk with me. <laughs> walk with me. It's what Jesus said to his disciples. Walk with me. And I think of that's what happened in the Garden of Eden when God came in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, and he says, come on, walk with me. <laughs> so Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, he walks with us everywhere we go. Verse 3 of Isaiah 11. He will find joy in obeying the Lord. This king will not judge people by the way things look. He will not judge by listening to rumors. So we find that the judgment of God is not by whim or by notion, but it is, it is <laughs> we check the books. You know, there are two books. One is the book of life, and then there is at the judgment seat of Christ where all the wicked will appear, the books will be opened. And all of their wicked deeds will be used. They won't, God won't read them off. They will know what they are. But for us, those who are redeemed, they appear before God, and though Satan may say, well, what about this and what about that? The judge, Jesus, the advocate who washed away our sins, says they are forgiven. They are cleansed. They are washed by my blood. Verse 4 and 5. This one is confusing in the sense that he will judge the poor fairly and honestly. He will... Be fair when he decides what to do for the poor in the land. If he decides people should be beaten, well, what he's talking about here is the evil people. <laughs> you know, if he decides that they should be beaten, he will give the command and they shall be beaten. If he decides people must die, he will give the command and those evil people will be killed. Goodness and fairness will be like a belt he wears around his waist. And what is the belt and the armor of God? Truth. <laughs> truth. So, as he is about truth and justice, truth and fairness, 
Jesus will know all of this. And Judah became corrupt and was surrounded by hostility. The nation was desperately in need of a revival of truth, of righteousness, of justice and faithfulness. They needed to turn from their selfishness and give justice to the poor and the oppressed. Ahaz, he was abusing the poor. He was using them for slaves. He was selling them as slaves. They poor, poor were just anyone that, that they, they could make money off of. So Ahaz was part of a very unjust system. But God gave to him something that we know and how it is fulfilled. But Ahaz, because of his unbelief, he hadn't a clue. Isaiah is just talking out of his head. <laughs> it's important for us to know that the righteousness that God demands is more than reframing from sin. Rightness with God and staying away from sin. But it is actively turning towards others, to those who are oppressed, to those who are poor, and helping the needy and helping those in need. So it's not only a separation from sin, but it is a helping those who are in need. <laughs> Isaiah now speaks of the golden age that will come in these next verses. You see, 700 B.C., we have Isaiah speaking these words to, of the Messiah to Ahaz. Here we are 22,000 years after the birth of Christ, looking back on his birth. But these scriptures here are yet in our future. <laughs> so Isaiah is declaring that the Messiah will come. He came. And he's talking about his kingdom established and it'll be an everlasting kingdom. Well, we, it's like, well, what does that mean, an everlasting kingdom? Well, there the wolves will live in peace with the lambs. The leopard will lie down in peace with the goats. Calves and lions and bulls will all lie together in peace. A little child will lead them. Bears and cattle will eat together in peace. And all their young will lie down together, will not hurt each other. Lions will eat like hay like cattle. Even snakes will not hurt people. Babies will be able to play near the cobra's hole and put their hand into the nest of poisonous snakes. <laughs> this is still in our future. This is declaring to us the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus. So Isaiah doesn't see it's divided. He just sees and hears the word of God, and he doesn't know that, you know, he knows it's going to happen, but he doesn't know the, the, the years that are going to transpire. 700 years are going to take place. And, the Jesus will, and Jesus will be born. Well, 2,000 years have come since Jesus came, lived, died, and rose from the dead, and we're still waiting for this 1,000 years, this millennial reign. People will stop hurting each other, verse 9. People on my holy mountain will not want to destroy things. Imagine that. Because they will know the Lord. The world will be full of knowledge about him, like the sea is full of water. At that time, there will be something, someone special from Jesse's family. He will be like a flag that all the nations gather around. The nations will come to him and ask him what they should do. And the place where he is will be filled with glory. See, that's in our future. Verse 11. 
At that time, the Lord will again reach out and take his people who are left in countries like Assyria and North Egypt, South Egypt, Ethiopia, Elam, Babylon, Haman, and other faraway countries around the world. So there again, we have Israel coming back together. And he knows, he sees these things, but where in the timeline does it happen? Well, in 1948, Israel became a nation, officially, May of 1948. And the people that were scattered from all over the world have come back to that nation. He will gather, verse 12, he will gather the people of Israel and Judah who were forced to leave their country. They were scattered to all the faraway places on earth, but he will raise the flag as a sign for other nations. And he will gather his people together again. (laughs) He will raise the flag as a sign to other nations. (laughs) So we look at this and we see how Isaiah was able to declare the coming of Jesus. Not only was he declaring that he would come, as we know, as a babe born in in Bethlehem in a manger and laid in a manger, but we see him as a king that is yet to come in the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. So here we have this God who is not, he's not confused, and the prophet is not talking out of his head. He is hearing and seeing the Messiah that God has promised. Jesus did not just show up. His birth and his life, his death were all prophesied. They were spoken of. He promised his life (laughs) and he left nothing unfinished. As we look at that, we gain hope in knowing that God is active in all of history, including our own. So as we study and go through the, the, you know, the, the Christmas story and read those things, we must remember they just didn't happen. They were foretold. They were foretold. And that was, it was declared by the prophets that God would do these things. So God was active in history. He's active in our own history. We are always to pray and never to lose hope. Come on, walk with me. Walk with me through this. And I think that is the challenge of Christmas. That is the challenge of this season. And Jesus is saying, come and walk with me. Walk with me, and, I, and we'll, we'll look at this together. We can see and part, we can be part of all the stuff that goes around, but we, don't, we realize that what this is about is Jesus and I. Christ has come to be the Savior of the world. He begins by us giving our life to him and taking care of helping those in need. God has given us a sign. If you confess your sins, you are forgiven. Your name is written in the book of life. He will give you strength and power and a a sound mind. His word will direct your steps. His word gives us expectations. His word reveals the past and the future. His word lets us know that there is a very present help in time of need. So 700 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah tells the king, Ahaz, there's a virgin going to conceive. And you know, Ahaz, he doesn't, he doesn't get it. 
But here we are 2,000 years after that. He came. He did come. Lived his life. Died for our sins. Rose from the dead. And he's coming again. Amen. Father, we thank you for the promises that you give us. Lord, you give us signs. (laughs) Sometimes we don't see them. Sometimes we don't understand them. Sometimes they come to us and nothing changes. But God, we know that you never change. You are forever the same. So we are to keep praying and never lose hope. Keep believing and looking for the answer to our prayer. Hearing your voice speaking these things to us. Knowing that there is an expectation that you place in our hearts and minds by your word. So let this Christmas season be one in which you tell us, David, come on and walk with me. Walk with me for a way. Let that be our prayer this Christmas season. Amen. Amen. Walk with me.